This is the Pop Tournaments podcast. In Pop Tournaments, we take a category of pop culture and let you, the fans, vote on matchups in a single elimination tournament format to determine an ultimate champion. We are here to discuss those results and the upcoming matchups. Thanks to our great community and everybody who votes, let's start the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Pop Tournaments Podcast. This is episode 189, coming to you on January 31st, 2024. Happy birthday to my favorite boxer, Nolan Ryan. Oh, 77 yeah. today. <laughs> Classic uh, bout. With, uh, He's had future, a few. With future uh, White Sox coach, White Sox manager, uh, Robin Ventura. Wow, your knowledge is very deep and inside today. Thank you, thank you. I will not make a euphemism about that. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Justin Timberlake. Wait, are we which... Brittany said it's okay to uh, wish Justin Timberlake a happy birthday, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get the reference. For- 43 today. Yeah. Um, um, I, so today, oh. as in the 31st? Yes. Um. That means Justin Timberlake was born one day before the co-host of this podcast, Ryan Barrett. Yes, I know. Turning 43 tomorrow. (laughs) I was going to save it till the end. But yes, a very happy early birthday to Mr. Ryan Barrett. Thank you. We also love... we love a good fictional birthday. Uh, happy birthday to Dorothy from the Golden Girls. Nice. <laughs> 95 today. <laughs> B. Arthur's not with us, but Dorothy's still. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the Wonder Years premiered on this day back in 1988. But we also have some, we have some big, uh, significant musical events going on today. Uh, I'm going to take you all the way back to 1959, 65 years ago. A young uh, Robert Zimmerman goes to the Duluth Armory to see Buddy Holly. It's one of his first concerts. Buddy Holly Mm -hmm. dies in a plane crash three days later, but inspired Bob Dylan to become the musician he is today. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that was uh, the day he wrote Dust in the Wind. Also, man, all my favorite musicians are dying. Um, (laughs) It's like a, it's like an uh, American Pie, (laughs) and then that was the rest is history. He writes American Pie and drove the Chevy to the levee. So two two big uh, Michael Jackson uh, anniversaries today. The Jackson Five scored their first number one hit on this day in 1970 with. I want you back. Nice. Great tune. And also, today is the 31st anniversary of what many consider to be the first actual, we're going to put some effort into it, Mm -hmm. Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. The Michael Jackson halftime show. Now, funny thing, that was not the most significant musical event at that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, because, don't tell me, uh, oh. Whitney Houston National Anthem? Oh, it's National Anthem, but it's not Whitney Houston. <laughs> that must have been the year before. So, Garth Brooks was scheduled to sing the National Anthem, but part of the deal he made with CBS was that they would air the video for his new and controversial song, We Shall Be Free. Mm. which had gotten him booted from many country radio stations across the country. Okay. At the last minute, CBS is like, no, we're not going to show your video. And Garth is like, well, fuck you then. I'm walking. Yeah. And they they were scrambling like they, because there was, you know, obviously a bunch of other celebrities there. So they asked Bon Jovi to step in. They asked other people finally somehow it all gets worked out they're like no you go and sing we'll play your video they play the video garth sings the national anthem but ever since then 
the national anthem has always been pre-recorded at the Super Bowl. You are never hearing a live version of the national anthem. That's wild. I never knew that. Because of Garth Brooks hmm. standing up standing up for what he believes in. Yeah. Freedom. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> We are off to a freedom-based start here. <laughs> we have Ryan Barrett. What's happening, everybody? And I'm Jake. Hope everybody out there is doing well. And I do have to say real quick, the song was actually about like being accepting of people. And Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I assumed. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, yeah no, Garth is actually a good... It, the opposite of Kid Rock. If you yeah, know. yeah. No, if, if the country music world was... Uh, mad at him about this song i imagine it was like uh you know a song with a good message i mean if kid rock has the views he has garth brooks should change his name to old man country (laughs) ryan how's the last week been for you (laughs) it's been great um kind of started off the week uh watching one of the movies in our tournament here which i'll mm. i'll save for our tournament talk but i watched uh paris texas Interesting. which is one that's been on my on my to watch list for a long long time i finally sat down and watched that um could i guess about 40 years uh yeah approximately <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you say that yeah actually <laughs> um no um me and my beautiful, wonderful, amazing girlfriend, Netta, uh, rented Anatomy of a Fall. Ooh. Um, and wowza, packs a punch. Nomination worthy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's Not one it. of those movies, too, um, that I think definitely needs some, like, reflection um, and it's, it's a movie, honestly, after watching it, I'm like, I kind of want to go back and watch it again. If, if it was free streaming right now, I would definitely love to go back and watch it again. Cause it's one of those movies that like, after you have all the information, mm-hmm. I think it would be a really, uh, interesting rewatch. Um, Fr- French movie, right? Um, I believe it is Polish. Polish? No, okay. uh, I might be thinking of another movie in, in this uh, tent list here, but so may, maybe not. I don't know. You know what? I think it is French, but um, it's it's weird linguistically because they um, it's like half in English. It's it's not it's not Leon Le Professionnel. Exactly. Yeah, not a classic <laughs> French film like that. Um, <laughs> But it, whatever, really good movie. Definitely recommend. I'm excited. It. Really yeah. tense. Great performances across the board, especially one of the best child performances I've seen in ages. Um, like to the point where as soon as it was over, I'm like, he's got to be nominated, right? And I looked at supporting nominees, and he wasn't in there. But I mean, it was that good where I was like, mm-hmm. he could. He was probably on the short list. Um, and then, uh, we went out to see in the movie theater, AMC, nice. uh, American fiction. Ooh, not knocking right. in another one off the, the Oscar nom list and holy shit. That movie was so good. Um, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the film Hollywood shuffle from I am 1987 not. starring Robert I'm Townsend? I'm familiar with the dance. Uh, Yeah. Um, starring Robert Townsend, uh, Keenan Ivory Waynes, um, God, uh, the dad from Friday, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Okay. Um, and Robert Townsend, that's Pete Townsend's brother from the who, right? Correct. Yeah. He was the okay. one who taught him the windmill. <laughs> um, no, um, but it's like a, a satire about black Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. or about how black people are treated in Hollywood. Um, Mm -hmm. this was very similar to that. Um, but the thing that I think makes this movie, um, special when you hold it up against something like, sorry to bother you, which I think is also like a great comp, sorry to bother you feels very like cold and kind of heartless 
and pessimistic where mm-hmm. I think American fiction, all those things are true. Just speaking specifically of the, the satire element, but okay. really inside that same movie, there's a really, really sweet story that's being told. It's kind of like a, um, you know, it's set in this world that's very wholesome and sweet and, you know, just really nice. And then hmm. the like, you know, all the stuff about the book is kind of the more biting, you know, satirical stuff. But overall, really, really great movie. Really funny. I mean, we were just cracking up through the whole thing. Interesting. Um, and yeah, definitely could not recommend American Fiction more. One of my favorite movies. So the, of the, year. the the Academy is finally recognizing comedies, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know it's not it's not your typical, uh, you know, it's no Ace Jay Vin- and Silent Bob. It's not Ace Ventura when nature calls, but um, <laughs> which again, if how that didn't get special effects or, or practical <laughs> effects, whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, American Fiction, fantastic movie. Could not recommend it more. Um, then keep on rolling with the Oscar train went out mm-hmm. by myself on Monday and they call it the Wiener, Wienermobile, by the way, it's not the Oscar train. It's the, <laughs> it's the Wienermobile. Good one. <laughs> um, they, um, I, I went out by myself and saw zone of interest. Ooh. Um, and you had, you knew nothing going in. Correct? I knew nothing going in. Um, and you know, I kind of, uh, uh, just like Anatomy of a Fall, it's almost like now that I know exactly what the story's about, what I would watching, love yeah. to go back and rewatch it because it's definitely like, takes a little while for you to kind of put the pieces together, at least for me. Um, it yeah, didn't jump off the screen. That's what I was hoping. It didn't jump off the screen right away as far as like what was going on. Um, but... Yeah, I how mean, was that realization though? That, that that's kind of what I want to know is like as you started to realize what was going on. Yeah, like, how, no, how great or I shouldn't say great, but yeah, no, I mean it, it was definitely uh, interesting. It's it's pretty fucking harrowing, um, yeah. and it's it's not in the same way that most movies like this are. Um. Really, I, the the best phrase I've heard to describe this movie, as far as what it's about, is the banality of evil. Uh, yes, as to say, like it's really not about these big, grand, sweeping uh, things that this main character does. It's more. Right. It's more. Well, I, I'm just gonna say quick. Um, so if you don't no, want to know what it's, it's, it's about or anything, fast forward it. 30 seconds. Do you care if I uh, go? No, you go deeper? right ahead. All right. So 30 seconds from now. It, it, it's about the uh, person in charge of Auschwitz, essentially. And yeah. him and his, you know, family of six or whatever live in a property. Literally that's on the other literally side. Literally on the other side. Yeah. So throughout the whole movie, you kind of see like smoke coming up you hear these kind of awful noises through the whole thing but the thing that's really cool and really different about it is it's not like they're sitting around going um i don't care if they're human beings i want them dead you know what i mean it's more like them sitting around going like What's for dinner tonight, honey? They're just ignoring. I'm thinking about making a strudel and you know what I mean? It's just like very everyday, like how somebody who has, uh, you know, committed this enormous atrocity of like human evil is just like has a normal life. You know, he's just like sitting around as... There's people screaming behind him and people hey. getting attacked by dogs and gunshots and smoke and the they install the the showers. So it's a lot about that or the, the chambers or whatever, the gas chambers. So, yeah, dude's got uh, bills to pay, too. Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. He's, he's, he's worth Hey, he's just worried. following orders. Am I right? <laughs> no. Um, Sorry. No, we should not be laughing. But, but yeah, no. Like, 
Really good movie. And um, similarly, oh, this is kind of a spoiler. Um, maybe I won't say this. Um, okay. Kind of a spoiler for two movies. So I'll uh, I'll say that it has kind of a similar. I'll say that the there were a few endings this year that were extraordinarily noteworthy. Um, in the this Oscar. one was like the Sixth Sense. Yes, yes. Um, he he did see dead people. Um, yeah, sure he did. But but um, no, very um, really really interesting ending. Um, and the last one I watched, totally non-Oscar related. Last night wanted to squeeze in one more little uh, nugget here for the podcast. I watched The Greatest Night in Pop on Netflix. Have you heard about this? I have not. I am it very intrigued. Is a documentary about We Are the World. Ah, uh, I was going to say maybe the first iHeart Radio Festival. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had all the big guns that year. Um, no, but I mean, so interesting. Did you ever see, I think about. 10 years ago maybe or around like 2010 um okay. they uh released somebody on youtube released all this like behind the scenes footage from yeah. we are the world yeah i remember i remember the world discussing we are the world yeah yeah and it was really cool because you kind of got to see some of the like takes the alternate takes of yeah. of these people um but that was really cool, but there was no real like narrative structure to it. Um, yep. This, I, I was tempted to skip it. I mean, really, no, I wasn't. But you know, in my mind, I'm like, uh, I pretty much know everything about We Are the World. I consider myself like, uh, I don't want to say expert, but like, I know a lot of the cool factoids and stuff like that. I had no idea. This taught me so much. <laughs> um, a, a couple little things. One, I did not know. As they were organizing this, they're like, "All right, well, we want um, Bruce Springsteen. We want uh, you know Bob Dylan. We want Kenny Rogers." And they're um, so they're trying to organize uh, getting all these people together and scheduling. It's just the biggest fucking headache. But then they realize most of these people are going to be in the same city, Los Angeles, on the night of the American Music Awards. So, uh, after the show, everybody goes directly over to AM Studio and they record We Are the World. So, the recording took place like in the middle of the night, like between, you know, probably 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. The other thing that I thought was super interesting, very cool, just a great, like, Hollywood music uh, legend, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, myth, but true. Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan, during this entire thing, just looks like, I mean, no pun intended, a wallflower. Um, <laughs> you know, all these people are like hanging out for the first time and they're talking about how weird it is because there's no like buffer. There's no middleman. There's right. no agents or producers. It's just like Diana Ross hanging out with Kenny Loggins, you know, and they're like, <laughs> oh man, what did you think of that last performance at the Music Awards? Wow, that was crazy. Like, they're just hanging out, shooting the shit. All these humongous stars who have like never really hung out together. Mm -hmm. um, and Bob Dylan just looks completely uncomfortable. Like he's right. just like, I don't want, I don't really know any of these people. I don't really care to know any of these people. <laughs> he's just like, looks really shy and like awkward. Um, and it comes time for his part. Um, yep. I don't know. If you remember the Bob Dylan part, but um, it goes, uh, uh, it's true, we make a better day, just you and me. But like, there's a, I, I don't remember the, the first part, but you know, he has this kind of iconic moment 
in yeah. the song, but it showed him practicing for it. And he's just like, he's barely even singing because he's like, I have no idea what to do. I don't know how I can be natural in this song. This is not my kind of music. And <laughs> I just don't know what to do. And Stevie Wonder gets on his piano and he, mimicking Bob Dylan, his voice and his style, writes Bob Dylan's little solo part. And he's like, invites Bob Dylan over to the piano and he's like, you know, playing the piano and goes, it's true, we make a better day, just you and me, you know, and Bob Dylan's like <laughs> laughing, everybody's crowded around the piano and they're like, oh, this is so cool. And then he goes on and uh, records that uh, legendary part, but it was inspired by Stevie Wonder doing a Bob Dylan impression and like writing his part for him, essentially. I'm, you know, honestly, not surprised by that. Yeah. No. Because my well, can I explain why yes, I'm not yes. surprised real quick? Um, do do you know my? I, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but do you know my favorite conspiracy theory? That Stevie Wonder's not blind. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I mean, if he can pretend to be a blind guy, he can easily pretend to be Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Master of disguise. I'm kidding. No, no. Well, yo, oh, let's get him in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, lastly, just uh, still, still going strong on Better Call Saul. I'm in the middle of season five right now, so... Right on, right yeah. on. You're just pounding, pounding through it. I uh, got on a little bit of an HBO kick. I, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on the show before, but um, uh, there's an animated show um, uh, from a few years ago on HBO called Animals. It's got three seasons. Um, very satirical. Different comedians doing the voices every episode. But it's just fun. It's again, I li I like kind of that that weird type of uh, parody humor. And I'll tell you what, a lot of places try to do it. This show does it really, really well. Um, also, much like you, I decided to do a little bit of a curb rewatch. But I I started in season six. I I didn't go all the way back. I I, I started I started when 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 Leon yeah oh uh, man came, came on board. So he's the best. He's the best character in that entire series. It's re it really is. And like, nothing against the first five seasons, but it, to me, it's it's two different shows. It's, yeah. There's pre Leon and post Leon. <laughs> yeah. And that's Seriously, Leon. <laughs> I gotta get mine, LD. <laughs> um, but the, the newest, uh, thing I watched, um, we don't, we don't talk about comedy specials that much, uh, uh on this podcast, but, uh, recently added to Netflix, um, I don't, whoa, yeah. can you be, can you believe they just recently added something to Netflix? That was such <laughs> yeah. a great spit take. <laughs> what? Apologies. New on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, the comedian Jacqueline Novak has a new special called Get On Your Knees. And I will tell you what, um, I can't, cannot remember the exact uh, phrase that's used to describe like this, this type of show. It's, it, it, it's almost like poetic. Like she, there's, there's very little like setup and joke. Like slam it's poetry. Almost, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, 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 it's literally like just one consecutive stream of consciousness, consciousness thought, like hmm. no, no periods, just a bunch of commas. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But it's, it's, it's so good. And it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, the title is get on your knees. So, uh, it, uh, it revolves around sexuality and, and culture a lot, but, I honestly have not laughed this hard at a comedy special in I I honestly can't tell you. Wow. Uh, it, it is it is it is so good. Um it was directed by Natasha Leone uh, uh of Poker Face mm -hmm. and um 
American Pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the two things she's known for. No, but it ah, it is just really, really good. Uh, like I said, just recently added to Netflix, so I highly, highly recommend uh, Get On Your Knees uh, from, from Jacqueline Novak. That uh, really, really good stand-up special. I'll check so. it out. I've seen that, like, scrolling through Netflix, and I've never heard of her before. So right? I, I didn't, you know, it's not like I was like, ooh, I'm going to watch this brand new comedian. But it did catch my eye. Like, I mean, the Not title, cool. the title is obviously like, uh, provocative. It's eye catching for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, even like the, the picture on the icon or whatever, I was like, oh, this looks interesting, but right. Yeah. It's good to hear that. I know. I'll definitely check it out. Well, I'm not going to lie. I so I I only heard about it because of the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. Um mm-hmm. her her and Natasha Leone were guests and talked about it. I'm like, I'm going to check that out and oh, thank thank Scott that I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz uh again, haven't laughed that hard in a long long time. So, let's get back into the tournament talk. We got to get through the second half of our first round here. We got a lot to talk about. And right off the bat, we're going to enter into the great country of Texas. Notice I said country, not state. because mm-hmm. Civil <laughs> War coming. <laughs> but two movies really uh, you know, about Texas. We have Blood Simple from the Coen Brothers, their directorial debut uh, starring John Getz, Frances McDormand, her big screen debut... Um, filmed and takes place in Texas, got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, made a modest $2.7 million, going up against Paris, Texas. Our first of three appearances from Mr. Harry Dean Stanton. That guy works. Oh, hell yeah. Especially in the early (laughs) 80s. Um. Um, Natasha Kinski, daughter of Klaus. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you serious? That, yeah, that's awesome. She's, I didn't know that. She's Klaus Kinski's daughter. Yep. Uh, this is a road trip film. It made a modest two point two million dollars. Uh, Roger Ebert gave this four out of four stars. These are again, Bo- uh, both of know, them. The, the t- uh, I didn't get on Blood I, Simple. I'm I bet sure. Blood Simple he gave I, four I, stars. I, th- I think so. Um, you know, we didn't really have this term back in the day, but you could call these more independent films. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you think here? This is a tough one. This is a very tough one. Um, after seeing, um, you know, I thought this would be real quick. Just checked. Roger Ebert gave Blood Simple four out of four stars. Hell yeah. Um, I, the Coen brothers are my favorite filmmakers. This was their sure. first film and it is... You know, it doesn't have... Their style is not, like, cemented the way, I think, uh, um, Raising Arizona, which was their next movie, mm-hmm. really kind of, like, they they were cooking. You know, they were speaking. They had their own voice and their own style at that point. I think Blood Simple was, like, them just, like, trying to make a great crime movie, you know? And they really do. I mean, amazing cinematography um, and, you know, great acting. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, fantastic mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but, yeah, overall, love Blood Simple. You just, you just made me realize real quick, the Coen brothers are one of our, I, I think we only have two or three two-timer champions in pop tournaments oh yeah they uh, they won, won raising no arizona for oh no nicholas cage and uh big lebowski for r-rated comedies and yeah yeah that's awesome very i cool. don't think we have any three timers i don't think no country won any uh, not any yet i but i feel yet. like <laughs> i feel like blood simple is uh primed for a run here <laughs> they're gonna give ghostbusters a run for their money it's got to beat Paris, Texas first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Blood Simple, perfect, amazing movie. Um, and like I said, I had heard a lot about uh, Paris, Texas. 
uh, I'd heard a lot about the filmmaker Vim Vendors, who mm-hmm. I um, I don't think I've seen any of his films. Um, so this was one that I've wanted to watch for a while. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. And mm-hmm. what a fucking ride. Anybody who watches yeah. this movie, like definitely, I would say go in blind because I don't know what the trailer will tell you but i imagine it's probably more than you would want to know although trailers Mm -hmm. used to be better than they are now um as far as like showing the third act stuff but yeah um no really really cool movie um it's all about a uh a you know it's it starts like in the desert and there's this guy it's a road trip harry exactly there's this guy Harry Dean Stanton uh, plays who's like essentially mute and like kind of uh, half there, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far, you know, he's kind of seems like uh, mentally challenged or something like that almost, you know. Um, and then uh, he just turns up at this, you know, he like passes out and wakes up in a in a doctor's office and the doctor finds his brother's number in his wallet. So contacts mm-hmm. his brother. And uh, the brother comes to meet and pick him up. And, and he hadn't seen him in four years. The last thing he knew was that he, like, you know, disappeared. And everybody right. just thought he was dead. Um, but Speaking of going into the movie blind, let's... Uh... That so that's Let's not uh, described the whole thing. <laughs> yes, that's all I'll say. But um, really, have you seen it? I have not. Highly, highly recommend it. The last half hour of this movie is like absolute. It took my breath away. It knocked me out. So good. Such an amazing ending. Like Berlin. Um, the band, the band who sang "Take My Breath Away." Ah, yes, yes, yes. It took it. It gave me the. We're uh, talking about the '80s. Keep up here. It ga- it gave me the Berlin special. Um, no, that's something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here we call it a Cleveland steamer. Oh God. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, yeah, Paris, Texas, phenomenal. Blood Simple, phenomenal. I have no idea how I'm voting in this. Tough one. Tough Very. one. I think, I, I think you'll have a better idea of how you're voting in this next matchup, but maybe not. So we have, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Oh, uh, uh, released. R- oh re- go ahead. Real sorry. Have you seen Blood Simple? No, I have not seen any of these movies. Okay. I'm just pretending to know things <laughs> about movies. It's, uh, definitely, that would be an amazing doubleheader. Both... Both great. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. Can we can we take a trip to Texas to watch this doubleheader? Absolutely. And then maybe catch a game with Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Next we have this is Spinal Tap, released on March second of nineteen eighty four. Uh, di- directorial debut from Rob Reiner. Didn't realize. I I know this movie moves quick, but it's only eighty two minutes. I know, I know we've discussed a little bit about it in previous tournaments. Uh, going up against Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, released on May 23rd. Conversely, this one is 118 minutes. Um, one of our earlier prequels. So this is uh, not a sequel, but a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't know that. Uh, one the- <laughs> and and really like, didn't- I, I've seen it. I really didn't. I'm not a huge yeah. Indiana Jones guy, so... Mm. Well, a lot of other people were. This made $330 million at the worldwide box office in 1984. But also, you know, people complain about inflation and how expensive things are nowadays. Mm -hmm. When the VHS was released in 1986, it cost $29.95 for the VHS of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It sold 1.4 million copies. That's insane. At $30. Yeah. Um, Talk about having disposable income back in the 80s. Thanks, seriously. Reagan. I know. I, I remember um, like when friends of mine would own a video cassette. Like I remember my friend John Benson 
owned The Fugitive on VHS. You're like, what do you do? Wipe your ass with hundred dollar bills? Yeah, yeah, totally. It was so rare. I feel like we had a lot of the Disney ones, like the vault yeah. releases and stuff like that. Um, but it's not like we would just be like, "Oh, I really like this movie. I'm gonna go buy it." I think I think because dubbing tapes was so easy, that kind of was like, if you're gonna have a home movie library, that's the only way to do it. Um, I, I just, but I, I I guess I'm imagining like if we adjust for inflation, what thirty dollars would be nowadays, and if we ask somebody to even pay that for a Blu-ray, they'd yeah, kick you in the nuts. Yeah, they'd be like, uh, "How many were made? One." If so, I'll take it. <laughs> if so, maybe. Um, okay, so not a not a huge uh, the, the Indiana Jones fan, but obviously a big movie. D- does Spinal Tap have enough comedy to take it past indie? Yeah, I think Spinal Tap will win, um, oh. and definitely should win. It might oh. it might be tough, but um, I mean, definitely not tough for me. It might be a competitive matchup. Um, I feel like Temple of Doom, when I was a little kid, Temple of Doom and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, for one, they were pretty much the same movie in my head. Um, (laughs) and they, I remember loving it as a four-year-old. And I remember people talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark and I'd be like, oh, Temple of Doom's better. But I hadn't, like... I don't even know if I really saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. I feel like all of these movies just kind of blended together. Um, the, sure. the first two indie movies, I guess. Um, but I think as time's gone on and like the the legacy of Indiana Jones is, you know, kind of cemented now. I feel like people think of Raiders of the Lost Ark being like the best of all time and... Uh, the Last Crusade being like really, really great sequel. And I think yeah. people think of Temple of Doom as being kind of like a schlocky 80s well, movie. Well, there's, there's a lot of lore surrounding Temple of Doom. And in the interest of time, I don't want to get into it. And, or even, I should say, just the idea of a second Indiana Jones movie. This uh, this went through multiple different storylines and Temple of Doom is what we ended up with. Also, one of the other two movies, we talked about Gremlins last week. This was also rated PG and had children uh, running from the theater, vomiting in their pants. Yeah. You know, because they weren't expecting that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Interesting fact about Temple of Doom. Did you know that it was supposed to be Tom Selleck playing the Indiana Jones role? I'm just kidding. I mean, yes, it was, but not not in Temple of Doom. Wouldn't that have been funny, though, if they're like, all right, well, now that Raiders of the Lost Dark had so much success, we can finally get Tom Selleck to play this role. It could have, but they could have been so imaginative. Think, Think about how many better Indiana Jones movies we could have had if they were just like, we're just going to get somebody different to play the character oh, hell every yeah. movie. That would be so great. <laughs> and it gets to like the. The early 2000s, and it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> and he wears a cabbie hat instead of, <laughs> yeah. like, the, 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 the Oh, that's what James Bond should do. Just, just it's a one and done from now on. Oh, I love no, it, yeah. Nobody, uh, would be so much better. Uh, moving on, in the interest of time. Next, we have Beverly Hills Cop, uh, released on December 5th. Uh Going up against oh wait what I don't know what I wrote here never mind going up against Starman <laughs> or at least a little over a week later on December fourteenth the sci-fi rom drum starring Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen another Michael Douglas production here and Jeff Bridges got a nomination for best actor mm. I could not remember are you familiar with Starman um yes and no. Yes, I know what it is. I know Jeff Bridges uh-huh. is in it. I remember seeing the uh-huh. the VHS copy when I was a young kid growing up in the video store. But mm-hmm. uh, I've never seen it, and I don't know what it's about. I would like to so, watch it, especially now that I know Bridges got it a Best Actor nomination. That's really cool. 
Yeah, it's really good. And we, um, so I had to watch it twice in, once in middle school and once in high school. For astronomy. And, uh, no, <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> astrology. We, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was, uh, I think one class was called like international studies and the other class was like international culture. And that's, that's kind of like the, the, the movie is very much of a, um, it's a alien come to Earth and um, trying to figure things. I don't know. Yeah, it's, again, no, that... it's it's more it's more of a rom drum than anything. Yeah, kind of like K Pax. So. Yes, yes, much like K Pax. <laughs> <laughs> who can who can ever forget K Pax? But yeah, um, obviously Beverly Hills Cop, one of the the highest grossing comedies of all time. I think this would be closer if more people knew Starman, but I think this is Beverly Hills Cop in, a, in kind of a walk here, right? Yep, yep, agree. Pretty easy, and and we can talk. We can get more into it uh, uh, next week. You know, we've already talked to Beverly Hills Cop plenty uh, just a few weeks ago. Let's you know, get to it, a more oh go. interesting little yeah. tie-in though. Uh, Starman competing in our uh, David Bowie songs tournament, and. Yeah. The theme from Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F, in our uh, a different tournament. <laughs> uh, one Hit Wonders. One Hit Wonders. Thank you. There we go. Oh, uh, Starman, I forgot to mention, directed by John Carpenter. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Now you, now you really want to check it out. Yeah. You know, I think I did. Like, in the recesses of my brain, I knew that. Um, because this was, like, in his... This was like his next movie after The Thing, I think. It, this was when he yes, was in his and, prime. And and Recess was in our uh, cartoons of the 80s and 90s <laughs> tournament. And Recess's Pieces was in our movie theater <laughs> treats uh, tournament. Upcoming. <laughs> and in our uh, uh, Things from E.T., our favorite elements of E.T. tournament. <laughs> Also upcoming. Yeah. And look, and look for those in 2025. Yeah. The number one seed are Reese's Pieces and When He Wears a Hat. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say, ouch. <laughs> yeah. And at the right. number one seed, we have that part where he wears a hat. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not only do we have a few repeats uh, in this in this tournament, I believe... I believe we have eight total uh, movies in this tournament that we've talked about before. None of them in the same tournament, strangely enough. But we do also have a lot of music-based films in this tournament. I would say six to seven, you know, some of them I kind of question. Like, would you have called The Muppets Take Manhattan a music? I mean, it's a musical. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say it. Footloose, is is, is Footloose a music-based movie? No, in the same, I mean, no. I, I would put both of those in the, you know, if if they were nominated for Golden Globes, they would rightfully be in the musical or comedy The comedy category. or musical. Yeah. But I, that's, that's how The Martian got in there, is that, that Matt Damon, like, just <laughs> song, five-minute song. Yeah, when he sang Afternoon Delight uh, <laughs> <laughs> over that's the credits. What the, that's what the skyrockets in flight were. Yeah, yeah. No, so we have... Considered one of the greatest uh, concert films of all time, Stop Making Sense, released on October 29th, filmed in December of 83 over four nights in Los Angeles, directed by Jonathan Demme, who would go on to uh, win Best Director for Silence of the Lambs, nominated for Philadelphia, going up against... Going up against Break Into Electric Boogaloo. I mean, we couldn't. That that, that uh, subtitle is so synonymous in in pop culture. I couldn't. I couldn't not include it. Yeah. Um, released on December nineteenth, they were trying to stop their community center from being demolished, <laughs> yeah. so that a mall could be built. Y- you know what? It got three out of four from Roger Ebert. Wow. That's really cool. So, Ice-T, 
But I know I, I know how you feel uh, about Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know it's one of your favorite films, obviously, probably one of your favorite concert films. Strangely enough, the DVD release, 16 songs, like the original uh, film. The VHS, though, they did 19. No kidding. Yes, they, they in the VHS, they edited in um extra songs yeah. uh, that weren't featured in the theatrical release yeah yeah uh e zimbra big business i believe for sure big business yeah can't remember yeah but uh, how far to stop making sense go in this tournament oh i think it could definitely go at least a couple of rounds um i think one more round <laughs> yeah potentially <laughs> we'll we'll get to that in a second i uh I, this was one of my biggest regrets of the year was not getting out to see this in the theater. In IMAX? Yeah, The yeah, re-release? Yeah. yeah. I, and, and yeah, we just couldn't get our schedules matched up because I wanted to, yeah. I was very interested. But, yeah, no, and yeah. now now that we're in the, uh, you know, year-end countdowns and stuff, I've heard so many people say, the best movie-going experience I've had all year was Stop <laughs> Making Sense and... I'm just like, fuck, why didn't I go see that? But, you know, it's it's tough, especially when it's something you've seen so many times. It's tough mm-hmm. to, like, take two hours out of your schedule, pay 20 bucks to go to the theater or whatever, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't go see it, but I wish I had. This is definitely, like, in my opinion, the best concert film of all time. Um, as somebody who's never seen The Last Waltz, not really a competition. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Breaking two. I mean, I loved the Breaking films as a kid. Um, this definitely. I mean, Electric Boogaloo is just like such. It's become a hackneyed joke at this point. Anytime it someone, is, but says, it's actually a good movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, like, I mean, I, I've I've seen this like on in syndication, if you will. I didn't see this back in the day. I only discovered this, you know, probably about a dozen years ago. But it's legit a fun '80s movie. Yeah, and and. You know, great dancing, great music. Yeah. Um, Ice tea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I I haven't seen Electric Boogaloo in quite a while, but it's one I would like to revisit. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. The soundtrack to Electric Boogaloo made it all the way to number 52 on the Billboard 200. Oh, wow. That's not bad for no. for a very underseen movie, if if I may say. Yeah. So. No, I I I, I bet Breakin, especially Breakin One, but even Breakin Two, I think probably fall into. They're every bit as independent as Blood Symbol and Paris Texas. I would guess, <laughs> especially the first one. You know, they seem like they're probably made on a shoestring budget, and they just got together yeah. a bunch of people they knew who were in the breakdancing scene. You know. Well, there's there a lot of characters from one come on, come back in two, but well, anyways, Boot, whoever wins uh, this match, Turbo Ozone, yeah. <laughs> are you are you naming characters from Breaking or uh, Breaking players back. from the Harlem Globetrotters? Oh yeah, Globetrotters. Yeah, no that that would be funny, but <clears throat> Bre- Breaking or Breaking Bad would be a good uh, <clears throat> a good one too. I, I I think next week we might have to play that game. Yeah, we should also uh, come up with a, a funnier die video called Breaking Bad. And it's just, uh, you know, a mashup. We smoke meth and break dance? <laughs> yeah, we smoke meth and break stuff. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, Fred Durst is there? Yeah, yes. <laughs> just give me something to break. <laughs> Bad. Oh, all right. Whoever wins that matchup will be taking on the winner of Purple Rain, released on July 27th, going up against Repo Man, released on March 2nd. So Purple Rain won the Oscar for Best Song Score, but did not have a single song nominated for Best Song. Hmm. Which I found very strange. Yeah, a little um, disturbing. 
I forgot to write down. No, there there was some big. Um, I want to say it was. Oh, uh, I just called to say I love you. Uh, was what won from Stevie Wonder. Yeah, from Lady. And there were some Red. other. Yeah, from Lady in Red, and there were some other big, big songs mm-hmm. uh, that year. But just the fact that nothing from Purple Rain even got nominated. Um, directed by uh, William Blinn, who had also directed Fame and Brian's Song. Hmm. Former. Uh, right. Former competitors. At least Brian's yes. Song was. Right. Um, and the original script was much darker and I, that was kind of weird to find out as I felt like this movie is pretty dark as it is. I mean, Morris Day throws a woman into a dumpster (laughs) (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) Uh, Uh, but Repo Man directed by Alex Cox, uh, who also directed Sid and Nancy here again, we have Harry Dean Stanton, Emilio Estevez, It's a satire of Americanism under Reagan. Um, But sticking with this music theme, uh, the main theme written by Iggy Pop. And also had a big uh, punk soundtrack that was very popular. Repo Man's a little er, underseen, I think. I I think this is Purple Rain pretty easy, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, I do think that, I mean, Repo Man has a very big, like, cult following. I don't right, think big right. enough to uh, overtake Purple Rain, but no, not at all. Repo Man's definitely one that I really want to catch up with. For sure. Um, I I'm honestly like I think Purple Rain is like a cool movie. I think it's kind of boring and like not. Whoa. I'm not like a huge Purple Rain fan. The 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 movie obviously the album is goaded, but yeah. um. But yeah, what I about think a Purple Pur- Rain Man? I think Purple Rain Man, um, I could get into, yeah. <laughs> um, re- real quick before we get too far away. Um, yep. Nominations, best song, 1984-85. Um, Against All Odds by Phil Collins. Yep. Footloose by Kenny yep. Loggins. Um, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., <laughs> Interesting fact, I'm looking at the nomination right now, and it's called Ghostbusters, and then in parentheses, Searching for the Spirit. Yeah, we'll talk about that next. Never heard that. And uh, let's hear it for the boy, yeah. Yeah. And I just called to say And, of course, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah. 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 Again, I I would maybe take out one of the ones from Footloose. Yeah. And put in in When Doves Cry, but... I I would put in... I would take out... um, Let's hear it for the boy and Ghostbusters and put in Axel F and Wind Doves Cry. Let's go crazy. Or, or let, yeah, oh. yeah. One of the, um, maybe Darling Nikki. The op- that opening song, uh, it just, again, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, but I am excited for this, uh, what I think is going to be the Stop Making Sense versus Purple Rain matchup. Yeah. So. Neither here nor there. Moving on, we got two quick matchups to get to. Uh, up next, we have The Natural, released on May 11th, uh, going up against Once Upon a Time in America, released June 1st. Once Upon a Time in America, in 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 the U.S., in America. What a huge flop this was. Only made $5.5 million against a budget of $30 million. Uh, directed by Sergio Leone, known for his spaghetti westerns, um, Fistful of Dollars, the the Dirty Harry, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trilogy, uh, uh, whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's, the original. Have you have you seen Once Upon a Time in America? I have not. The original cut was two hundred and sixty nine minutes. Oofda. The American release is one hundred and thirty nine minutes, but edited to be chronological. So the the original cr- cut is not like it kind of jumps all over the place. Interesting. <laughs> Well regarded, uh, we got you know Robert De Niro, James Woods, Joe Pesci, Burt Young, but so again, this, this is kind of a movie I want to kind of get, uh, I, I want to get into and see what all the fuss is about. Yeah, me uh, too. The Natural, Natural, directed by Barry Levinson, uh, who also did Good Morning Vietnam, the aforementioned Purple Rain Man. Uh, sorry, just Rain Man. Uh, we got Robert Redford. Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, Kim Bassinger, Wilford Brimley, 
Randy Newman did the theme to The Natural. Great. Uh, this is The Natural, probably, just based on knowledge alone. I think so, yeah. Uh, and and like you, I have not seen Once Upon a Time in America. It is on the list of like five movies from this tournament that I really want to watch. Um, yeah. Th- there's a few that I was like, uh, I'm not super familiar with this, but I think I know enough. Um, but uh, Once Upon a Time in America is one I definitely need to watch for this tournament. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, um, it, it, sorry, in the interest in to- of time, because I really want to get get in deep the, to our final matchup here. We have The Karate Kid, released on June 22nd, directed by John Avildsen, who also directed Rocky, oh, Lean wow. on Me. Yeah, right? Going up against Red Dawn, released on August 10th, our third Harry Dean Stanton film. Directed uh, by John Milieu. He was the writer, or the screenplay writer, of Apocalypse Now. But let me tell you what he was paid to direct this movie. (laughs) This is the fact I was so looking forward to. John Milieu, to direct Red Dawn, was paid $1.25 million and a gun of his choice. Oh my god, that's so awesome. (laughs) That was the contract. Um, Karate Kid starred Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue, but was so funny is everybody was in contention for, for the lead role. I mean, Sean Penn... Uh, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., Nicolas Cage, Eric Stoltz, Charlie Sheen, John Cryer, all considered uh, for for the role that Ralph Macchio won out. You want to know who they wanted for Johnny, though? The the, the Billy Zabka role? Uh-huh. And I think this would have been awesome. Billy Zabka. Crispin, Glo- oh. Crispin Glover. Yeah. That would have been Can a you imagine? movie. That would have been such a different movie, but I think he like he was such a weirdo at the time. I think he would have actually done good. Yeah, I mean, just different. And judging from his appearance on uh, David Letterman, he can definitely kick. You know, <laughs> he has like the kung fu moves down, as displayed against David Letterman on Late Show with David Letterman. Are, so, are you uh, are you this... familiar with what I'm talking about? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Uh, I just, I sorry, I have too much to. No. Um, uh, ri- written by Robert Mark Carmen, um, and it's biographical. Like he, so he got beat up by some bullies when he was young and started taking karate lessons to be able to defend himself. He also wrote The Fifth Element, The Transporter, and Taken, which is celebrating its fifteenth anniversary oh, wow. today. <laughs> um, features the song. You know, I mean, it's your birthday tomorrow, so we have to talk about the song "You're the Best." Yeah, was originally written for Rocky Three, but Stallone didn't like the song. Hmm. Yeah, fuck you, Stallone. Anyways, Red Dawn, um, kind of a uh, definitely a Americanism, Reaganism, propaganda movie. Uh, starred Patrick Swayze, C. Thomas Howell. Charlie Sheen, Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, and Swayze reuniting again, or before? I uh, feel like yeah, Dirty Dancing came later. Yeah, yeah, that was probably '86. <laughs> uh, this was written by Kevin Reynolds, who also wrote Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld. Hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, again, these are kind of quintessential 80s movies. Like, you can't get more 80s than Red Dawn and Karate Kid. Yeah. Karate Kid probably, again, gets by on its knowledge, right? Yep, definitely. Um, and I actually haven't seen Red Dawn. I'm familiar with it. Um, I know there was a, uh-huh. a remake of it maybe a decade yep. ago. Um, but... I uh, I I do want to catch up with this. I I started it the other night, but I fell asleep pretty quickly after. I started it at like one in the morning. So, it was, okay. It was I was a, gonna say what it was a futile. What a great endorsement. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, I'll just start this and see how it is. And I think I fell asleep ten minutes later. But um, it was crazy to see the um, you know everybody 
I mean, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people know like what Patrick Swayze kind of looked like in that era. You know, that was a big era for him. But seeing uh, Charlie Sheen uh, pre-Platoon, like he looks like a baby. And he also like well, kind of stuck out as not being a good actor in those first couple scenes is- at least. This this is essentially our outsiders matchup yeah. because you C. have Thomas. you have Patrick Swayze, Wal- Ralph Macchio, Charlie Sheen, C. Thomas Howe. I mean, yeah. like <laughs> everybody from the Outsiders was in these two movies. So I don't know, but yeah, like you said, I I think it's Karate Kid. Yeah, me too. Hey, if I pay you with a gun, can I get you to watch Red Dawn? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and one point seven million dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that we we do tend to go on. So uh, that that is all I I have for today uh, uh, and this week. I, anything else from you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Hopefully, hopefully next week I will be talking about poor things and maybe even Maestro as well. Those are the two movies I have left in the out of the mm. ten. So that's mm. it, though. I I will hopefully catch up with you uh, on some of that let's hope i'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on these so well for everyone out there in the pop tournaments universe please keep on voting and keep on popping pop pop happy early birthday to you I said, hey, Elise is Elise. At least that's what they used to say on Family Ties.